2: Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL hockey podcast, PuckCast with Statsman and AJ Friends. I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at ajscholz 24 That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. We're going to break away from our normal format to begin. Uh, Daniel Negrano, a friend of the show who's been with us a few times before, is uh, going to join us today. And it's a coincidence that we bring in a guy who has dominated the poker scene in his ongoing career, like the Hall of Fame class of players who we profiled last week. We welcome aboard the winner of six WSOP bracelets and two WPT championship titles. In fact, he was elected to the Poker Hall of Fame in 2014 congratulations from both of us on that honor Daniel he's also a very knowledgeable hockey man and that's why he's here with us today most closely linked with the Vegas Golden Knights but I know he has a soft spot for my favorite team the Maple Leafs so welcome back to podcast Daniel
0: yeah you're absolutely right grew up in Toronto still root for the Leafs luckily they're in the east you know Vegas is in the west so there's not a lot of games I have to be conflicted
2: well, Daniel, the Golden Knights are the team that we wanted to get your profile on. They're finding year two to be a bit of a bumpy ride so far. I promised you we wouldn't go deep into last night's loss, but can you explain to me how you would evaluate the club at this stage, and uh, do you see a recovery from their current plight?
0: Yeah, actually, I do, and I think when you look at it, I think the expectations for the first two months for a lot of people were way off. First and foremost, the schedule makers were not kind. 9 of 14 on the road in November, in October, we had a brutal stretch where we played Minnesota on Saturday, an early game in Buffalo, back-to-back Washington-Pittsburgh, and then top it off with Philly. They actually went 2-3 and three on that trip, not too bad. All of this, of course, without their tough defenseman in Nate Schmidt, who was out for 20 games. And, you know, we replaced Neal and Peron with Stasny and Pacioretty. Well, that hasn't exactly worked out because Tuck has been missing from that line. Eakin's been hurt. Halla is gone for the season. Stasny's out for two months. Pacioretty has been floundering. Um, you know, looking to create some chemistry. So offensively, the team has really struggled, but having Nate Schmidt back, we saw in the first game against Edmonton, you know, that bode well, uh, obviously in Calgary, that was the most embarrassing loss of the entire franchise's history, which is only
1: a year, but still, <laughs> yeah, so you you mentioned a couple spots that, that you know, there have been injuries have been kind of the biggest thing. Uh, are there are there any players out there that that maybe you think would be good to target or, or maybe more generally, um, you know, types of guys that, that you think they need to add? Yeah, in terms
0: of fantasy, I think the guy that you want to look at is Alex Tuck. I think he's been the best player on the ice for most, you know, most of it. And he's only a second year player. I imagine a lot of people might undervalue him and overvalue something like the top line, which is, you know, the go-to line on defense. I think the return of Nate Schmidt, ironically, um, boosts Colin Miller's production. And I, and I said that when he comes back, Miller will be able to drop back into more offensive role. And in the very first game, you know, he had three assists. He only had six going into that. So um, that should help Miller. I also feel like we, we definitely have some holes on defense that, you know, I'm hopeful. I don't think it's going to happen, but a guy like Eric Brandstrom, he could play on this team. Now he's blowing it up in the AHL uh it was the 15th overall pick a couple years ago and um you know i i i'd love to see him get called up and maybe give england some breaks but i don't see that happening anytime soon so on defense you don't have a lot of like perennial number ones from a fantasy perspective
2: Daniel, we both, A.J. and I, have a bit of the homer in us. Uh, I tout the Maple Leafs heavily, and uh, A.J.'s all over the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's had some good fun in the four-year history of the show. His team's won the Cup twice. But uh, we went along with uh, two of the three teams that are near the top of the NHL standings in our season preview as the teams that we touted to go all the way to the finals, and that's Nashville and Tampa, of course. Uh, We're wondering if you made a a preseason pick in terms of the Stanley Cup Finals and your eventual Cup champion.
0: Um, You know, I didn't this year because, you like, look at the way hockey goes, right? There's so much variance, right? Nobody expected the Pacific to be this much of a dumpster fire, right? And, you know, obviously early on, you know, a couple teams, like you said, Tampa, Toronto, um, and Nashville have performed to par. But, like, injuries will happen. And I don't think you can really have a clear picture on, you know, Who's going to be right and ready until you're down the stretch run and, you know, you know, like you see what, what the teams look like. Uh, there's a lot of hockey to be played. We're only 20 games in. The Pacific is up for grabs for literally any of the teams. And if you look at the standings, there's only essentially two teams, you know, that if you don't count overtime losses that are well below 500, that's Vegas and, and L.A. Um, but like the worst
1: team in the East, you know, Pittsburgh, which is crazy, is right around 500.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So you mentioned uh, that, that Nate Schmidt is back um, from that suspension, coming off that career high last season with 36 points. What, what are you expecting out of him this this year with the games remaining? Well, he's going to change the offense,
0: I think, in so many ways. He's, he's our number one shutdown man. He plays top minutes against you know opponents top lines. But more importantly, like if you watch that first game against Edmonton, it looked like a different team because we were playing faster. One of the hallmarks of this team a year ago was the fact that on a turnover. The puck, you know, they—they don't—it's—it's—it's it's, it's speed over possession. They're looking to move the puck puck up ice immediately, and and you know, not surveying the situation. And Nate Schmidt played a much faster game. And for this team to be successful, they need to score a lot more goals in transition, where the numbers in terms of transition goals from this year to last year are way down. We have picked up a few more garbage goals, if you will. And defensively, we're actually right on par with where we were the year before. The problem is, you know, second line and third line scoring has been close to nonexistent.
2: Daniel, this is the third year that I've worked with AJ on this podcast, and each year we've had a dollar bet that our listeners have really enjoyed us bantering about all season long. The one that we came up with this year is uh, hits close to home with both of us. AJ currently leads, as Crosby and Malcolm, that tandem leads my two guys, Matthews and Tavares, by a five-point margin, although Matthews has been inactive for 10 games, now Crosby's out for a couple. If you had to handicap this, uh, this bet, which side would you be on?
0: Well, if, you know, obviously this is going to come down to injuries, right? If Matthews isn't playing, well, you, you lose, right? If Crosby's <laughs> out for any extended period, like, you know, you're going to lose. Um, if all things being equal, I be, I feel like Toronto has a lot more support. So they're going to just score a lot more goals. Like Pittsburgh offensively, they're they're barren right now, you know, outside of the big three. You know, Kessel's doing his job, point-per-game player the last ten. You know, Crosby and Malkin, you can always expect to put up points. But a guy like Daniel Sprung has not worked out. You know, Dominic Simone has been OK, but like they don't have a ton. And this is just what happens. You know, when you're a perennial top team where you win Stanley Cups, you don't just get to keep that group together forever. We see that with Chicago. They still have Kane Tays in the defense, but the rest of the sporting cast is weakened. And I think if you look at Toronto's supporting cast, you know, despite missing, you know, an offensive superstar like William Nylander, they're scoring in bunches. And Pittsburgh is, 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 uh, is not going to be able to match that firepower. So that's why I would give the edge to the Leafs.
1: So speaking of bets, we have a little wager of our own going on. Uh, now I, I am noting that, that Nolan Patrick is uh, on a three game uh, pointless streak again, slumping a little bit, but, but I have to imagine you're feeling pretty confident overall.
0: Yeah. So the bet was 30 points for Nolan Patrick. And I think the key is he's a second line center and he's playing top power play minutes. Like, is there a guy in that position that you would actually predict less than 30 points? Right. And if you look <laughs> at his his season last year in the last 23 games of last season, he scored 17 and he came into the year injured in his rookie year so in his second year you expect more production you know the team's a little deeper having ben reamsdike back i think just makes the offense more potent i think philly's like a, a surprise team if if they could get anyone remotely decent to play goal <laughs> like that would be a really dangerous team like you look at those top three lines in the defense and you think wow this is a stacked team and then you look at their goalie and you're like oh i get it i get it now
2: <laughs> daniel looking at the leaf situation of course the uh big name out there in the RFA land is Willie Nylander holding out a lot longer than I thought and maybe AJ's on side now too. The deadline for a decision seems to be December the 1st but now the Leafs are chirping about the fact that they're not even bothered by that. They'll let him sit with season and hold on to his rights. I'm a little worried that if they go that route he may entertain something from the KHL but really in my heart of hearts I think this deal gets done before the deadline and I think he's returning. What's your take on that situation?
0: Well, I think you're probably right. It's going to be a last-minute deal. Having said that, Kyle Dubas has a lot on his hands in terms of uh, difficult decisions. A, a, you know, a, like a luxury of riches, really. The problem is, you know, you have uh, what is Matthews is going to want twelve million. Yeah. You're paying Tavares eleven million. Marner deserves ten plus, right? Now, how much can you actually? And then you might want to have to sign, you know, uh, a Riley or a Gardner, or otherwise you have literally no defense. So where does a guy like Nealander fit in, right? Five six million is not something that he you know he's going to want to take. So he's going to want something in the neighborhood of seven or eight million. The question is like, um, like as, as the thing is with the salary cap era, every team by design is going to have some kind of a weakness, right? Right now, if you look at the Leafs, it's I would call it maybe on the right side of the defense, right? It's it's pretty weak over there. So the problem is nobody really wants to give away really top D men for you know a winger or which is what Nylander plays, although he can play center. Um, the only real fits that you could see for trade is maybe Carolina for like a Brett Pesci type or something along those lines. But other than that, like, you know, I'd love to have him here in Vegas. Like, believe me, I'd rather you guys take patch We'll give you whatever. You know, what. <laughs> please give us Neilander. We'll, I'll give you Pat and a bag of pucks and, a, and, a, and, a, and I'll bake you a cake, whatever it takes. But, um, you know, Nylander, you know, the, he's just in a bad spot because he's not part of the top three. And it's difficult to pay more than three forwards, big money like that. So, you know, he might be the, you know, the man with the short end of the stick here and have to move.
1: So uh, we'll talk a little bit of poker here. What sort of uh, what's your event calendar look like coming up? And then what's the best way, you know, for podcast listeners like myself that are interested in, in following along to, to see how it's going?
0: Yeah, you well, know, I do a, po- a podcast myself on poker, which is called Dat poker podcast. Uh, which you can find on iTunes and whatever podcatchers that you use. Uh, as far as my calendar, I've been taking a little bit of a break right now. The Super High Roller Bowl, which is a big event, $300,000 buy-in, $5 million first prize. I came in second in May in that, and I won $3 million. And they actually have changed the dates. It's usually in May. They're going to have another one in December. So I'll be gearing up for that, playing a Bellagio event, and then in the PokerGo studio playing the uh, Super High Roller Bowl. It's a, it's a cool field. It's like uh, capped at 49 players. They reserve 20 seats for, you know, fun players as we like to call them and the rest <laughs> going to a lottery of professionals to get into this event so very prestigious very fun one um, and i'm always looking forward to that one
2: well podcast listeners really got a kick out of uh, your analyses today and you brought it as usual daniel you're a great follow at real kid poker we urge our listeners to jump on that i certainly did a long time ago and it's not not just poker that you're all about you got opinions on hockey you got opinions on politics and i i love that your takes Right down the line. So we want to thank you again very much for your continued support of the podcast and the interest in in jumping on with us at a really short notice. AJ and I plan to be in Vegas in July uh, to settle this dollar bet and make a presentation. It'd be great if you could hook up with us and, and uh, meet the rest of the gang when we do that presentation. Daniel, we'll talk about that down the line. But again, our thanks for jun- jumping on with us today.
1: Always a pleasure, guys. It's always fun. Thank you thanks very so much. much. All right. Well, before we kick off the rest of the show, just remind our listeners that throughout the week, uh, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey or just hockey in general, you can tweet at us. You can follow me at AJ Shoals 24. You can follow Paul, the statsman at Statsman 22. And of course, as we said, you can follow uh, Daniel Negreanu at Real Kid Poker. Uh, another great follow on Twitter there. And thanks again to Daniel for coming on the show today.
2: All right, let's, before we dive into the 31 teams, there are a couple of small deals, AJ, and there are a couple of coaching changes too, but we'll get into those parts a little bit later. The first deal that I want to break down is the New York Rangers receiving Ryan Strom from Edmonton for Ryan Spooner, a trade of Ryan's. Uh, do you think there's an upside here for one side over the other?
1: I don't really see an upside in, in this, you know, I I guess I don't see one side winning it uh, based on, you know, current numbers right now. It'll all come down to, whether or not the change in scenery uh, kind of jumpstarts either of these guys, I think both players needed it. Uh, so I, I've I've got no uh, no edge for either team, but I think it's a good move. You've got guys who are slumping; they flipped uh, cap space, so it's basically an even cap hit uh, to what the k- teams had before. So um, I basically call this a push, and we'll see. You know, if if Strom can. Put something together with the Rangers or or, or, you know Spooner with Edmonton, then maybe uh, you can evaluate this trade again in another year or two and see how that goes. But uh, for now, I think it's just an even swap.
2: Yeah, I don't see either one of these guys cracking the top six. And really, if you're not uh, top six relevant. Uh, You're an outlier in terms of DFS value in my world. So unless one of these guys jumps up and proves themselves, uh, they are what they are. And that's uh, maybe seventh to ninth forward on their respective clubs. And then a little closer to home for you, the Penguins... uh, uh, shook tried to shake things up a little bit uh, they received Tanner Pearson from LA for Carl Hagelin this is a trade where you can argue these are potential top six guys AJ and so a little more of an impact uh, deal I think I'd, l- I'd like to know what you think about this this matchup
1: I mean honestly I put this in the same category to be to be perfectly blunt you know Hagelin not doing much for Pittsburgh really hasn't for a while in terms of production. Now what he brings um, you know, in the, in the locker room uh, uh, from everything I've read, uh, uh, a favorite in the locker room. So obviously that's a concern. there, shaking that up. But um, again, they flip the salary so that it's even, I guess the, the, Both teams kind of get what they want here, too. Tanner Pearson is under contract for another two seasons at 3.1. So that's $900,000 in savings in future seasons. Uh, And Carl Hagan will be a free agent at the end of the year. So L.A., who seems to be trending for a a little bit of a retooling, I won't call it a rebuild, uh, you know, they'll get that $4 million off uh, the books at the end of the year. And honestly, if their season continues as it has, Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Hagelin moved again towards the end of the season uh, as, as a rental for a, for a playoff team. So uh, basically a push, but I, and I think it helps both clubs and, and hopefully both guys can, can kind of rediscover that scoring touch.
2: Yeah. I like this deal for the penguins. I'll say AJ, because uh... Tanner Pearson is two years removed from a 24-goal season. If the Penguins add that kind of offense to their mix, they're going to be really happy with this output. Hagelin really hasn't reached those levels for a a few years in his uh, career ledger. And and Pearson also brings some size and physicality. I like that in the Pittsburgh lineup. They're a little shy in that category. I don't like to see Malkin doing most of the banging for your club. So maybe he adds a little bit and takes a little pressure off the big man in that regard. Let's uh, swing into our look at 31 teams in uh, 31 minutes we'll try for, AJ. The Anaheim Ducks had a 1-1-2 record last week. Cam Fowler though uh big news there there was a lot of injury news uh, in the NHL we'll touch on most of it here he's out with several face- facial facial lager- lacerations in an incident uh, incident last week that conducts top d-man is going to miss several weeks it looks like the offensive load on the back end then falls to Hampus Lindholm and Brandon Montour not much DFS value in either of them I'm afraid And up front, Max Comtois, who provided an offensive spec before going on the IR, is on a conditioning stint in the minors. He should reclaim a top six role when he comes back. And if he gets it, he might be worth a look at uh, DFS play in terms of a low-end option.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great call with Comtois. Uh, I I think probably will take Raquel's spot on that first line. Uh, with Raquel going down to play with Kessel and Silferberg, but but could slot in there. Um, I think what's clear is Andrew Cogliano will be bounced uh, from the top six there. I, th- I think he's the most likely to get get uh, kicked out of his spot there. But, yeah, the injury to Cam Fowler is a big one. I think it it will affect this team wholesale. I, I, I think without that kind of uh, you know stalwart uh, and, and offensive producer on the blue line when you've already got Hampus Lindholm, uh, sidelined as well is is really going to hurt them uh long term here and so i i expect this team to kind of take a hit here uh they have some young kind of intriguing prospects who are getting time and could see more minutes marcus peterson andy welinski uh, but both of those are, are kind of development guys jake Dotchin got called up as part of that uh and then for you know some of those out there concern about the fact that uh, gibson wasn't available on saturday uh, he it looks like he was back at practice today and should be ready to go uh for their next contest
2: in arizona they're still above 500 they went one and two last week they'll be they'll they were only giving up uh less than 2.5 goals against and uh, in the coming weeks Chikrin and Golagoski are out on defense so I think they're gonna be hard pressed to keep that level and Ranta in goal might be the one that pays for it he actually might even be out of the lineup it seems now with the latest news that I'm looking at out for a minimum of one week so trouble on the back end and in goal up front Clayton Keller and Alex Galchenyuk went scoreless last week that's also a problem as the Coyotes only notched Four goals in their last three games, so uh, things are coming apart a little bit. Uh, if you're looking at the last seven days here,
1: yeah, I think I think this team was overperforming. If I'm being perfectly honest, there, uh, I think they were exceeding expectations, and now they've kind of settled back down to earth. Um, obviously the big concern offensively is the nine game goal drought for Clayton Keller Uh, and you know fantasy owners obviously will be concerned about that the shots on goal over that are decent Uh, he's got uh, looks like 19 shots on goal in those nine games I'd like to see it a little bit higher closer to three a game Um, but at least it's not you know there's only one zero in there um, and his power play minutes haven't dropped off at all he's averaging 337 during this little slump so they're clearly trying to get him going Um, but i think overall this team is kind of performing at the level that i think we expected at the at the onset they're pretty heavy with that top line and and while obviously having chischer in in the lineup would be better than not uh, at this point the team has gotten pretty used to playing without him uh, just because he's been gone for so long
2: and i don't know if you've seen the new boston uh bruins logo aj but it has a big red cross on it now (laughs) with with what's going on there tukarask is back in the fold but Captain Zdeno Char is going to be lost for at least a month with a knee injury. And he joins three other regular D-men on the sidelines in McAvoy, Carlo, and Miller, all on the IR. So that's big trouble. But the worst news of all came down yesterday. Patrice Bergeron is out with a rib injury. And the note that they assign with that is he'll be reevaluated in four weeks. So he's going to be gone for at least a month and probably a fair bit longer if you look at it. And that means they're breaking up the top line. They've already done so in the first game without him, putting Pasternak on one unit and, and uh, the Pest, Marshawn, on the other one. So uh, the future does not look bright in Boston right now.
1: Yeah. So overall, in terms of impact and kind of players to target with this shuffle, uh, I like Joachim Nordstrom uh, best here. Obviously, Jake DeBrusque is not David Pasternak, but he still offers a a decent, uh, you know, he's a decent winger, solid top six guy. So then you get Nordstrom playing in between him and Marshawn. I like that more than Anders Bjork, who will play with Pasternak and Krejci. I just think Pasternak is such a focal point there and Krejci is going to be the one trying to get him the puck that Anders Bjork kind of gets lost in the mix here. So uh, in terms of fantasy impact, uh, Yakim Nordstrom is the guy that I target with all of those injuries. It sounds like they're going to get Kevin Miller back on Wednesday. So that at least will help ease the pain there uh, with Chara and and all those other guys out. But obviously this is kind of a, a, a young cobbled together blue line uh, that, you know, there's there's not really any of them that I would I would target in terms of, uh, you know, fantasy. Jeremy Lazan, maybe if if you really needed a blue liner uh, in, in a deep league, that's that's about it. Um, other than, you know, I would take him over Jakob Zibro, Connor Clifton, probably not going to play. Steve camphor is, is just not his style of game to, to be an offensive producer. So Kevin Miller back. But yeah, it, it, things are going from bad to worse in Boston.
2: And in Buffalo, it's going the other way around. This is a team that both of us thought could be on the fringe of playoff contention if all things went right. Well, they went 4-0 last week. It can't get much better than that, can it? A balanced attack with two strong scoring lines and some other forwards pushing them bodes well for the offense. But the emergence of Rasmus Dahlin, we've been waiting on him to show some, uh, some of the talent that made him the number one pick. Well, he showed it last week he's definitely uh, added to the mix on defense and uh, the very steady goaltending, hailing the, the arrival as a Sabres team that will take a big step forward if they keep this up. I think they're for real, AJ.
1: Yeah, I tend to feel that way as well. Um, it, it seems like things are coming together in, in a good way. Not, um, It doesn't feel like flash in the pan. It's not like guys that uh, should be producing are producing at astronomical levels. I don't think they're over-reliant on Eichel and Skinner. Um, although those guys are kind of the linchpin of the offense there, it feels like they're not over-reliant, which to me, you know, that's kind of what we saw in Arizona is Clayton Keller was putting up these huge numbers and then his production dropped off and the whole rest of the team kind of dipped from there. And so I think Buffalo has a little bit more depth here. Um, and, and can provide you know a little bit of a stabilizing force you know in those games that Eichel or Skinner is, is struggling a little bit um for me Jason Pommenville playing on the right wing with those guys I think is the must play especially his value on FanDuel it remains really really low I think it's still below 5,000 uh despite what he's been able to do with those guys I am a little bit uh not surprised, but I, I didn't think it would take quite as long for Rasmus Dallin to start putting it together. But it does appear that that's starting to happen. He's got five points in the last five games. He uh, is seeing big power play ice time as well. So uh, it, I didn't expect it to take quite as long as it has to get jump started. But it uh, the important thing is that it it seems
2: like he's gotten going now. And in Calgary, they seem to have gotten going, too. They went 2-1 and one last week. They won big last night against Vegas. We didn't break that game down uh, to spare Mr. Negrano a little bit. But the big line looked awesome. Kachuk looks great. They're all scoring better than a point per game. That's a lot of offense there. And then on defense, Mark Giordano's up the right up there with near 20 points as well. The trouble is there's a big drop-off over here. It's a very top-heavy offensive lineup. And in goal, if you haven't got heard of david rich by now the guy's won five of his last six and he's taken over the net uh from mike smith so uh thank goodness that ha- that didn't happen last year otherwise i'd be out, be out of duck a dollar here
1: yeah no i want my dollar back
2: <laughs> and, and and interest
1: for for it um i i was maybe a year late i guess no i mean in in all seriousness i think rich is is playing really well um and i, and I think. They were trying, what's interesting about it is they were trying to figure out if it was going to be Rich or John Giles before, uh, during training camp, before the start of the season, and Rich won out that job, and so I think the opportunity, if Giles had won the spot, I think he'd be the one potentially getting a look right now, whether he'd be performing as good as Rich has been, I don't know about that, but I, I do think it's interesting that you have this camp battle. For the backup job that ultimately at this point seems to have turned into uh, a spot at taking over the number one job here
2: definitely a big development in the Calgary Nets in Carolina they went two and one last week and I think I underrated Michael Furland at the beginning of the season this guy's got nine goals in 19 games and uh, he's got a lock on the first line left wing position I thought this guy was no better than a third line player uh, which he showed earlier in his career in, in previous stops Uh, furthermore on defense Brett Pesci with only three points in 19 games looks like he'll return to lineup this week but he needs to show an offensive spark before I have an inkling to use him in DFS play he's been rumored in in the Willie Nylander trade talks but I don't want any part of a defenseman that can't can't produce a little offense here the Leafs need that uh, if they want to bolster their top four right now this guy's not doing it he's been a disappointment so far
1: yeah, the encouraging thing for them is, uh, you know, the the coach there today said uh, Rask looks uh, ready to go. And so I think we're getting to a point where maybe not uh, as early as Wednesday, but they might get Victor Rask back, which is really going to help them out uh, a bunch. You know, yes, there's concerns on the blue line. Um, you know, Dougie Hamilton, uh, I don't think has really, you know, panned out uh, for that move yes, uh, a few points in the last couple of games, but overall you're looking at just seven points uh, through the first 20 games here. And, you know, that's not going to get him above that 40 mark as he has the last couple of seasons. So uh, definitely some concerns there. And and maybe that's it, Paul. Maybe it's a guy like Dougie Hamilton for Willie Nylander, who seems to need a, another change in venue to kind of rediscover that, that scoring ability.
2: That might be intriguing. Now you're getting me interested. In <laughs> Chicago, the Hawks uh, rebounded from a tough start. Uh, they were 2-0-2 last week, but they need to get more from their second-line center, Artem who has been blanked in the last several games. Brent Seabrook's been a nice surprise on defense with 10 points in his 20 games to date. Good for a bounce back over his subpar totals last year. He's back partnered with Duncan Keith, which I think is an interesting move here. They they split these guys up for most of the last couple of seasons, but they've got them playing together more often than not now. But uh, see, it doesn't seem to spark Duncan Keith, who has been admired in a, bit, a prolonged scoring slump uh, off his usual totals that threaten a 50-point par- pace. He's well off that right now. And we uh, wonder if that will help him out. Uh, the team, for, uh, for what it's worth, only allowed five goals against in its last four games. So the new alignment on defense seems to have worked from that aspect. But they have to p- continue to play it tight. They're another top-heavy team. And uh, they're on point right now.
1: Well, it's not just Anisimoff that needs to figure out his game right now. Alex Dabrinkat hasn't scored in his last three. Nick Schmaltz is also on a four-game uh, pointless streak. So it's that entire second line that can't seem to put anything together right now. And it makes you wonder if maybe putting Kane, Taves, and Saad all on one line makes this club a little too top-heavy. Now, having said that, uh, they earned, as you said, they earned six points in those four games, uh, so that... You know, an argument can be made that they're not losing in regulation; they're keeping games close. But if they're going to kind of turn the season around and be a playoff team, they absolutely need to get more
2: out of that second line. In Colorado, the Abs went two zero and one last week, and I'm excited about the Tyson Berry's performance uh, among the top scoring D men in the league. But now he sports a career high. Plus eleven season to date. That's a stark contrast. Big, big negative totals that he's posted in no fewer than the last three years of his career. So really turned it around to rank among the top blue liners so far. Similarly, Semyon Varlamov has a career best two thirty-two goals against average going, along with a nine twenty-six save percentage. Great numbers from him as he uh, is trying to put a subpar year behind him, and he's well on his way to doing so. Uh, that signs that this team is for real too though that's what all this is about Tyson Yost at the number two center position has three points in his last four games since coming off the IR IR. that's good news to make room for him Alex Kerfoot moved over to the left wing spot on the same line but the guy continues to produce he's now got eight points in his last seven games so it's not anymore a one-line team they're getting goaltending and their top defenseman is playing well yeah, the
1: goaltending situation is what's really interesting to me. So you look at uh, Varlamov's last two games, both wins, gave up just four goals in those contests, uh, a .920 save percentage. You would have thought that maybe uh, based on those two, two outings, and those were against Edmonton and Boston, those are quality teams uh, that have some star power that maybe they would have stuck with him. But instead, they went back to Grubauer for two in a row. Grubauer's given up three in each of those outings. And what's interesting is it seems like there's a committed plan here to split these guys as evenly as possible. You know, you look at it, it was two on, two off for a little while. Right now, it might be four on, four off. So um, you may want to consider, you know, looking at Grubauer possibly getting a few more starts uh you know maybe he gets to start uh wednesday and then uh, they go from there so kind of interesting to see that despite strong performances by you know one of the net miners, they're sticking
2: to this split uh plan in columbus look at i got a good look at this club last night when they came in to see the leafs and uh They had an unbeaten streak of six games, snapped by the home side uh, in that game. A very entertaining contest. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky allowed only four goals against him four games prior to last night, but he got beat by three shots on a pretty low shot total against him, uh, while they got a lot of shots at the other end of the rink. Their top line is humming. We're going to talk about one of the guys there that makes the grade as the set of the week, but I want to talk also about Alex Wenberg sparking a surging third line at center that before last night, he had six points, including his first goal of the year in his last six games. So uh, this is looking like one of the stronger teams in the league again, full value for their overall record of nine, six and two, but they did take it on the chin last night in Toronto and their coach was not happy about it at all.
1: Well, John Tortorella is not happy about a lot of things, but um, all that to be said, I I think, uh, you know, one of the players that, that I for sure targeted uh, this, this off season in terms of season long formats was Zach Wierenski uh, had 20, uh, 37 points in just 20 or in 77 games last year. And so I, I expected big things out of him, And so far, 13 points in 21 games is, is solid production. What's concerning to me is the ice time right now on the year. He's still averaging 22 Oh four, but you look at his last six con- uh, seven contests rather, and it's down to 1738 in those outings, including that game last night where he didn't see any time on the power play. So that is very uh, kind of concerning there for me. And I think something to watch so far, his production hasn't dropped off four points in those seven games. Um, but it, it is a sign that that maybe I don't know if they're trying to shuffle something around if there's concerns about him defensively. And so they're not putting him on the ice as much, um, but definitely something to monitor if, if you're on Wierenski in season long formats.
2: The Dallas Stars were two and two last week. That's kind of who they are, I think, AJ. They've been forced to pay attention to team defense a little bit more than they're used to because they're missing four regulars on their blue line. That's a huge hit. They allowed only six goals in those last four games, so kudos to the replacements, I guess, are in order. Kudobin continues to shine as a backup here, but uh, he's got a 232 goals against average in five starts. I'd like to see him get more of a share in the net as long as he continues to play that well and spell Brian Bishop, who can, tends to be a little bit injury prone in my uh, eyes, AJ. The stars also brought up Rupe Hintz, a 22-year-old Finn. Aren't you glad I took that name instead of you? <laughs> he was scoring better than a point per game in, in uh, nine AHL tilts, and he's going to get top six minutes. He scored a goal in his debut on Sunday, in fact. So keep an eye on, on uh, the young Finn Hintz and uh, see where, if he can hold on to that role.
1: Well, you kind of hit the nail on their head there in terms of Bishop and and injury concerns. Uh, News coming out of today from last night's contest, expected to miss a week uh, due to a lower body injury. Uh, And so uh, it sounds like overall the team's happy it wasn't a a bigger deal. Uh, In fact, I believe the coach said he was one week is less than four. (laughs) So, um, you know, so uh, good news there, I guess. But, yeah, it's definitely a, uh, a concern to see, um, you know, him pick up another injury, but so far Q. Dobbins played well enough that that it may not have as big of an
2: impact as it would have been in previous seasons. And over to the Detroit Red Wings, our friends in the home office are a lot of them are Wings fans, despite the fact that you're located in Wisconsin. I don't quite get that. I'll need an explanation, maybe off air one day. Uh, the Wings lost another veteran forward in a week. They went two and one as Darren Helm expects to be uh, is expected to be out for several weeks due to an upper body injury again. With that very. uh, flimsy description. Uh, One young player who is taking advantage of this extra playing time is Michael Rasmussen, who's pushing for top six minutes with his recent play. He's got five goals and one helper in his last nine outings. In the Nets, Jimmy Howard's been outstanding in in goal with a goals against average right around 2.6 and a 92% save percentage. I think this guy's a sure bet to be dealt at the trade deadline as he's 34 and in the last year of a contract that carries a 5.2 million dollar cap hit, A.J., what do you think about that call?
1: Uh, actually, what I've heard is is rumblings of an extension Wow, uh, in, in Detroit. And I, I mean, I, we'll see if it materializes. But that's kind of been uh, what I've heard uh, in regards to this situation, which is a bit of a surprise. I would imagine if they are thinking extension, you know, given his age, you're looking at maybe three, maybe four million in terms of cap hit. I don't think they would give him another five point two million dollar deal. The team is about to uh, hopefully get a boost here. Thomas Vanek pretty much uh, trending towards a, a return here uh, on Wednesday, which will be good news for them. Obviously, you mentioned Helm out, so it's kind of game one, lose one um, for Detroit right now. Uh, but I, I think this team, it, there's just not a ton going on out, outside of that top line. You know, Maybe AA on the second line, but... Uh, There's just not enough scoring for me to really be confident in this team long term.
2: Well, you might be saying the same thing about the Edmonton Oilers. And I guess the management is concerned enough to make a change, which was announced earlier today. Todd McClellan is out. Ken Hitchcock is back in. I I thought he was retired as a coach to be honest with you but he's going to take another shot at it. I think the attraction of being a coach for that uh, McDavid and combination was what pulled him out of retirement. They've got five players here on this club who account for over 70 percent of this team's goal total. That's not good. That doesn't spell anything near balance. Tobias Ryder, uh, his loss for the next month due to an upper body injury will not change those numbers, I don't think. Ty Ratty has returned to a top six role, and he's trying to do something about jumping into that mix, collecting two points in his last five games. He's going to need to do more more than that to hold on to the role, though. The other good news uh, pertains to the goaltending mix. Miko Koskinen continues to outplay Cam Talbot and has made two of the three starts last week with a solid relief and mixed in there as well. I expect him to get control of the net uh, over the next coming weeks and uh, that should benefit the team. A good goalie battle is never really bad news. It, uh, it forces each of these guys to bring their A game and they're all going to be challenged to really focus on defense under the, the guidance of Hitchcock. That's his uh, modus operandi.
1: To your point, Paul, it, it came out uh, just a few minutes ago that Koskinen actually going to get the start uh, tomorrow. And so just another indication that he's slowly kind of taking over the Nets here from Cam Talbot. Uh, maybe not so slowly, considering this is going to be his fourth appearance in the last five games. And, and I, I think this is why they brought him over, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, the guy's not gonna you know come back to the nhl without at least getting some assurance that he could compete for the job i don't think they would have promised that he would take it over but they at least have to have said well hey cam talbot's coming off a terrible year if he's terrible again you, you could take it over so um you know we'll see how that how that pans out uh long term here i don't like this higher um you know, I get Ken Hitchcock is from Edmonton. Uh, and so kind of, you know, native, native boy makes good kind of, kind of story story storyline there. Um, but I just really don't, uh, like when teams go back to kind of the, the, well, in terms of the coaches in the league, um, you know, we've seen this time and time again, I like the Blackhawks taking a look at a 33 year old coach, uh, getting first NHL experience there. Yeah. Is it going to pan out? Well, maybe, maybe not. We'll have to see. Um, But I think it's better to at least experiment with something new, try a new guy, see what happens there. Uh, and and then live with the consequences from there rather than just kind of going back to the well Uh, like I said he's from Edmonton so maybe we can give him a, a little bit of a pass on this particular signing but with all the teams that have made these moves I'm hoping we can see some new guys getting opportunities to become head coaches
2: well the interesting thing for me we'll talk about this for another minute is that Edmonton's situation is a team that's all offense oriented and Hitchcock is all about team defense so it's going to be interesting to see if this this meshes well. It happened in Washington this way when they brought in their, their coach that led them to the Stanley Cup last year. You recall how that turned out. Barry Trotz had a uh, history of being a very good defensive-minded coach. The, the Caps were an offensive-minded team before he came in, so maybe they're hoping for history to repeat over there in Edmonton, and that's the comparable that I see on the horizon. In Florida, we'll get back to the team uh, outlooks here. They went two and two last week. Yandel on the blue line is on a tear with points in 13 of his last 16 games. He's been a DFS darling in that stretch. After a nice stretch since he came off the IR, Roberto Luongo was shelled. In uh, two games allowing ten goals against they also got into a shootout last night in Ottawa too but Reimer was in net for that one I expect Reimer to get more of a shot uh, just to to rest Luongo if nothing else it's a it's a luxury these guys have two veteran goalies but they have to perform they got to give get better than the goals against they're allowing in the last little while it could be a case of if you win you stay in in terms of the Panthers net in fact in uh, Monday night's game, though, the worst news that came out of this one was Vincent Trocek, their number two center, was stretchered off the ice with a leg injury. That's going to keep him out for a long while. I say keep an eye on Yuho Lamiko, who got four assists in an expanded role. He was a fourth-round pick uh, in 2014, so it's been a long while wait to see this guy start to show something. He certainly did last night, and I see this guy playing top six minutes for the next several weeks while Trocek's away. Well, I
1: think we're looking at the possibility that Trocek could be done for the season. Uh, The latest news there being that he uh, is undergoing surgery uh, on his on that injured leg and and is facing a long term absence based on the fact that they had to stretch him off, that he needed to have surgery uh, right away on that leg. I'm guessing that he's done for the year. And so from that standpoint, uh, I do think you need to look at all the other options. My guess is first crack at those top six minutes is going to go to Jared McCann, but that hold on that spot is going to be tenuous at best. Uh, And so there'll probably be a couple people shuffled in and around that. Basically what you're going to want to do in terms of DFS play is figure out who is getting that spot on a night to night basis with Huberto and Bukestad and kind of go from there. Their value should be pretty low uh, in terms of salary cost. And so uh, they can kind of up, uh, swing you there so that that's kind of what to watch for in, in terms of this injury
2: I'm taking on all these tough names you're not giving me a pat on the back here man <laughs> the LA Kings went two and two a surprise for the last place team in the league that they went 500 on the week with Budai not looking good in his first appearance though Cal Peterson is the bell of the ball he posted a 226 goals against and a 935 in his safest first three appearances last week and then he comes up with a shutout to boot uh Carl Haglin, uh, we talked about him earlier he's going to start out as a left wing three but there is a path to the top top left wing role if he can score a little bit Alex you follow the current left wing one has only two points in his last 11 games AJ
1: yeah well that's still better than what Haglin's done <laughs> in the last like two
2: years um
1: no <laughs> So yeah, it really, you know, I, the thing with Hagelin is the, the numbers were never outrageous. I mean, if you were looking for him to be like a 40, 50 point producer, he was miscast from the start in that aspect. But, you know, looking back, uh, with the Rangers consistently over 30, his first year in in Pittsburgh, when he split between Anaheim and Pittsburgh, uh, got 39 points, But since then, it it hasn't been great. Uh, Did get 31 last year, but it took them all 81, uh, 81 of the 82 games to get there. So um, I'm just not sold on it. And and I don't think that based on what I've seen, I don't think he's going to be able to break in uh, to that first line.
2: In Minnesota, the story was a bit of sour news for a team that's been on a torrid start. They went one and three last week. Mikoy Koivu, though, has rebounded from his slow start with 11 points in his last seven games. That takes a little bit of the pressure off the number one center, Eric Stahl, who's been on fire all year long. With five points in his last five games played, Jason Zucker is also back to playing top six minutes on left wing. So that's more good news offensively. On uh, the defensive side of the puck, well, Devin Dubnik has seen his goals against average creep up a little bit as he allowed almost three goals per game in his last eight starts. So the goaltending needs to settle down a little bit to get back to what it was early on. That's uh, much higher than how Dubnik started the last several seasons. So keep an eye on that one. And the good news for them is really they're still the healthiest roster in the NHL, AJ.
1: Yeah, not too much to report in in terms of injuries for them, especially with everything uh, that's come out today and and even into the last week. Uh, one kind of interesting line, I won't even call it a shuffle; we'll call it a tweak. Uh, Jared Spurgeon is playing with Ryan Sutter, which I think increases his potential uh, to get some points. They've moved him and Matthew Dumba have kind of switched spots there, and so. I don't have any concerns about Dumba. I think he'll continue, uh, you know, to produce as he's capable of doing. He's got five points in the last four games, and I expect that to continue. But I think this is uh, a good move for Spurgeon, who hopefully can, you know, add a little bit more uh, production, try and get back at it. He's on a seven game goal drought, has just two assists during that stretch. So maybe this shuffle can can help get him going.
2: And the Montreal Canadiens, I never thought I'd say this after 18 games. They're 9, 5, and 3 so far. 17 games, if I got my math right. They went 2-1-1 and last week. And Max Domi is off to a historic uh, start with the Habs. 24 points in his first 20 games with the Canadiens. That's a... Uh, uh, historic high for this uh, this club. Uh, he's off to an amazing start. And it's something that made me think back to the summertime when I had a, an occasion to talk to somebody who was a family friend. And she said, Max is dying to get out of Arizona. And he wants to play for a team where hockey really matters. Well, He certainly found that recipe and he's certainly delivering the goods and I'm happy to retell that story a little bit now. Uh, He didn't like it in the desert there. He, He didn't mind the weather but it wasn't a hockey atmosphere and he's been brought up in that in that mold so I think that's a big part of why he's enjoying life in Montreal as a Canadian and it doesn't hurt that he's been playing a lot with Thomas Tatar during the course of the season. He's become a fan favorite as well with six goals in his last six games. It's unexpected contributions like these that have the Canadians unexpectedly in contention. And I don't see him going away anytime soon because Carey Price now has looked back in top form over the last week, winning two games on the Western Canada road swing. He turned aside 79 of 83 shots that he faced. Those are more Carey Price numbers that make sense in terms of what he's capable of, rather than the early part of the season where he kind of struggled a little bit.
1: And all of this is without Shea Weber, who seems to be trending Uh, In the right direction now, uh, not going to play this week at all. So still at least a week away, I'm guessing probably closer to two, um, but I wouldn't be surprised somewhere around December 1st, uh, about then I would guess that Shea Weber is going to be back. That's just kind of how I've gotten the feel for it. Um, Not going off any actual, you know, tangible timeline provided by the the league. But um, so it's good news there. They did lose Noah Yusin, uh who's going to be out indefinitely after uh, getting hit in the face with a puck. They are dealing with injuries to kind of minor contributors, Paul Byron, Nikita Sherbeck and even Joel Armia, who is a big uh, penalty kill guy for them. So there's certainly some injury concerns, but overall, uh, potential to get Shea Weber back uh, in the near future.
2: And the uh, Nashville Predators, they kind of have an, had an even uh, week on the schedule last week, which is the worst of their season. They're one of the best teams in the league, but last week, the top top bad news that they faced was right wing number one Victor Arvidsson is out of lineup for a month with a broken thumb that's a big blow to their offense Callie Yarncroft tried to fill in a little bit he's recorded a hat trick in a a new scoring line role which resulted uh, in his play at the right wing spot and uh, on defense P.K. Subban will be sidelined there uh, with an upper body hurt that's a tough blow that means a lot of pressure on Ryan Ellis the top right wing right uh, handed shot on the blue line is going to be really playing all the heavy leverage minutes but he used to, he's used to a heavy lo- workload anyway veteran Dan Hamhuis will likely get a shot at the second right uh, defense position he's not a guy who you can pin a lot of hopes on in terms of scoring though don't overrate him he's much more of a defensive minded player now
1: well, they do get back Austin Watson which uh, from his suspension, which will help kind of alleviate, uh, not entirely, but it'll help alleviate uh, having Arvinson's sideline. Watson's got two helpers in, in his first three games. I think he'll definitely push for a bigger role. Obviously, Kelly Yarnrock is is, is holding on to it firmly right now, but if he does slip at all, uh, I would be not be surprised to see Austin Watson move in there. What is surprising is Kevin Fiala, Uh, now down onto the fourth line just isn't getting it done and and clearly they want to see something else from him you look at his minutes the last two games 641 against LA 709 against Tampa he played more minutes uh, than those two games combined in almost every other game this season Uh, and so clearly a message is being sent that he is not producing at at the at the level uh, that they expect him to.
2: And in New Jersey, like Nashville, they lost their number one defenseman. Sammy Vatanen will be lost to this club for at least a week on the IR with an upper body injury. In addition, Nico Heischer, their outstanding sophomore center, missed all four games last week and won't be available until at least late this week. Despite these issues, the club went 2-1-1, one, and one, allowing a total of only six goals against. Uh, with Brian Boyle, uh, rangy center center also on the IR. The Devils are really thin in the middle position. Pavel Zaka has responded to this new opportunity as the scoring line pivot, finally notching his first goal of the season, playing more physically and blocking some shots even. That's not usually a part of his game, but he's really trying hard to make good on this opportunity, and he's got the skills to make it pay off in the score sheet too.
1: The news on Heesher is actually more, uh, even more encouraging than that. According to coach John Hines, he should be quote, good to go uh, for Wednesday's game. So they will have him back uh, right away. It looks like, which is, is a good boost. They did, uh, you know, uh, previously have to move Brian Boyle on IR. I'm guessing he'll be out for another couple of weeks, so uh, that that means Zaka will at least get to stay with the club. Where he slots in with Hizcher back will be kind of interesting to see. But um, overall, yeah, the Sami Vatanen injury is going to hurt. Um, Steve Santini close to returning, although he's nowhere near the same caliber of player uh, there. But uh, obviously, having Hizcher available for Wednesday is is key.
2: New York Islanders went two and one last week, AJ, and there's two games above 500. Andrew Ladd, though out indefinitely with a lower body injury. This guy just can't buy a break after signing that big contract. It's been one troublesome issue over another and just not living up to the big dollars that he's being paid. They also lost fourth line center, Casey Zizekas, out for two to three weeks. We talked about him, how good he was playing in that bottom part of the roster. Lower body injury will sideline him. I'm going to have a key eye, keen eye on Michael a North Toronto native, who was a prolific scorer in the OHL. With the injuries that have happened here, this guy's finally going to get a shot. He was a fifth overall draft pick in 2014, but just hasn't found his way in the NHL. He's been scoring up a storm in Bridgeport in the AHL, 14 points in 14 games played. And uh, you know what? He's a friend of a friend of mine, and uh, I'd like to see this kid get a shot and do well.
1: One guy that is doing well right now is uh, Leo Komarov kind of a slow start to the season really hadn't fit in super well right away um, after making the move from, from Toronto last year, but uh, he's got four points in the last three games, kind of starting to put it together. Uh, he had been stuck in a, in a eight game goal drought, um, And, and the shot totals there were not great. And even in the games he's producing, his highest shot total is just two, uh, and that actually goes for the whole season. He's never put three shots on goal in a game, which to me strikes of a player that's going to be kind of hot and cold throughout the year, um, and so you kind of have to time it right and, and figure out you know, when's the best time to use him. Right now, it seems like a, a good uh, you know, spot to put him in because he is hot right now, but uh, it could turn just as quickly.
2: Well, and the Rangers' fortunes turned last week. They went 3-1 and one and now are above 500, but uh, the news is not all great. Matt Zuccarello has uh, missed five of the last six games with a lower body injury. Jesper Fast has replaced him in a top si- right, uh, six right wing role, but he's only managed one assist and averaged one shot on goal in that span. That's just not good enough new addition ryan Strom will slot in as the right wing three but if uh, these guys don't produce ahead of him he could move up quickly too rookie philip Chidel is one guy who's got it going he's got goals in each of his last three games he's a the guy they have pinned a lot of hopes on and it's reflected right now as he's earning left wing first line minutes
1: i do think Strom uh could be a, a good candidate to move up there they may have to consider moving him to the left side um you know they've got fast excuse me especially when zuccarello comes back you mentioned cheeto performing well um, but you know nimesikov has moved up and down the lineup he's not guaranteed that top spot Uh, jimmy vc obviously competes uh, for for those minutes as well although he's kind of firmly fallen into a bottom six role Um, so i do think strome will kind of move all over this lineup injuries will be a factor Um, And I guess just pick and choose. As I said, you know, with a couple other guys, got to pick and choose your
2: spots here. The Ottawa Senators are two and one. They're closing in on a 500 mark on the season. As a result, we know they're getting lots of offense from Thomas Chabot. We've talked about him a lot on defense, but Cody Ceci and Maxime Lajoie have added seven and nine points respectively as well on the second D pairing. So they're getting a lot of offense for the blue, blue line. They're also spreading out their top players to get three effective offensive lines going. Recent call-up Drake Batherson is on a line with Matt Duchesne. That's a great spot for a guy to make his debut. And he's produced two points in his first three games as a pro. Chris Tierney has two goals and 14 assists in a third-line center role, putting him well ahead of the 40-point pace that he totaled last season. I'm sure they'd like to see him score a few more goals, but they're quite happy with the assists that he's racking up.
1: Yeah, I'll be the first to admit I I didn't see this team as as being capable of putting together three scoring lines at the start of the year. It kind of felt like it was Duchene or bust. Um, but Batherson performing well, Dzingel's been good all year. Brady Chichuk, obviously, uh, we kind of expected he would be decent, and all this without a guy like Jean uh, Gabriel Peugeot, who could easily factor in uh, as well in terms of some some depth scoring here. Thirty three points last year, forty. Uh, three the year before Uh, if and when they get him back uh, i think he factors in a little bit but he's out for for so long that obviously in in season long you're not going to pick him up but impressed with what this team's been able to do without a guy like that
2: over in philadelphia well they took it on the chin last week going oh two and one i like the wingers that they've paired on the third line here as jvr and wayne simmons bring plenty of size and skill Yet Jordan Wheel is listed as their center, and he has struggled with no points in his last six games, despite topping 15 minutes of play in four of those outings. Scott Lawton and Yuri Laterra are waiting in the wings for a shot at that role. They have both played up and down this roster in the past, but with not with modest success. So it's really a grab bag of options that don't really excite me at the moment. I don't know if you see it much differently. And then that's the other news that's relevant is Brian Elliott's expected to miss the next two weeks. So it's again left in the hands of the number three and four guys on their depth chart.
1: I mean, despite having, you know, two very, very good uh, elite caliber centers at the top in the one, two in Couturier and Patrick, this center, I actually feel is one of the weaker positions on this team yeah. because Will Lawton and Letera are, are so bad, to be honest with you. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see how, you know, it sounds like Michael Raffle is going to be back soon. I don't know if that opens up the door for somebody to move uh, over to center or if they're going to have to look to add somebody if they want to be, you know, playoff rele- relevant. But obviously, uh, as Daniel mentioned off the top, as you mentioned again, uh, the goaltending is the biggest question mark here. Uh, even when healthy, I don't think Brian Elliott and Michael Neuwerth have really performed that great. Uh, and so right now it's Calvin Picard maybe Alex Lyon for a few games Um, but this team is rapidly approaching a point where they may just want to call up Carter Hart and just call it a day right he's their you know goaltender of the future well maybe
2: it's time to make
1: the future now
2: well PuckCast listeners my partner can't be too happy as uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins are 0-3-1 in their last four starts they've sunk to the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings I never thought I'd see that with this roster. Captain Crosby also out with an injury. That's pretty bleak, uh, pretty bleak week, uh, AJ. Derek Brassard has come off the IR, though and that slots him in as uh, the other scoring line center behind Malkin for the time being. And the good news for the Pens is that he's done it before. And uh, Sid, the kid, will be back sooner rather than later. So all is not lost in Pittsburgh by a long shot. Casey DeSmith continues to clearly outplay Matt Murray in the Nets, and that's a problem as I see it. Tanner Pearson, we talked about him joining this club, and he gets the left-wing gig with Malkin and Kessel. That's not too shabby a landing spot, is it?
1: No, absolutely not. And it, it sounds like Crosby's is approaching, uh, you know, getting near to returning. Tomorrow might be too soon, so you might be looking at after uh, American Thanksgiving on getting him back. Uh, losing that call uh, to IR is huge. And, and yes, his stat line's not going to show it necessarily, but this is a guy that kills penalties. This is a leader in the locker room uh, who a lot of the guys really like. And honestly, outside of Crosby, uh, Malkin, Hornquist, Latang might be one of the like untouchable guys only because of his relationship uh, with Jim Rutherford. These guys have clearly worked together a bunch um. So, not having him is is a big loss. It it may not seem like it, but it definitely is. Uh, Malcolm missed practice today, but it sounds like it's just maintenance. Uh, so, no real concern there. Um, and I got a question on Twitter about whether it was Matt Murray uh, being bad or if the defense was kind of letting him down, I actually don't put a lot of the blame on the defense. I think it's equally divided among all the skaters here. There have been bad turnovers in scoring situations that falls on the forwards and the blue liners. And so that hasn't helped Matt Murray, who is playing bad. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Matt Murray has not looked good this season. I really think they need to consider bringing in, I think Casey Smith has done great, and so this is no knock on him. But I think they need to consider bringing in a veteran goaltender who can just settle Matt Murray down and just say, you know, help him get into a, a good headspace. Uh, you know, I've talked about El Montoya in the past. This is a guy that's in the minors. I can't imagine that Edmonton is going to charge you too much to get him, especially with how good. Koskinen's been performing they clearly don't need Montoya Um, so just someone of that kind of ilk because this is an organization that has no veteran goaltenders uh, in the system Casey DeSmith is the oldest goaltender that the Penguins have and he's like 26.
2: Wow in San Jose they went two and one last week but the exciting news for Sharks fans is that Eric Carlson found his offensive groove with his first goal of the season and a total of five points and a plus three in his last three games both dramatic turns from what we've seen from him year to date. Up front Thomas Hurdle has missed five of his last seven games played. He's a spark plug on this offense and he's been a point per game player through 16 games played so they have to be patient while he deals with a number of small injuries that have accumulated at the same time. It's quite likely that he'll be, that he'll be back at full strength in a week or so and he'll grab that uh, top six role right away.
1: Yeah uh, again the, the kind of Late breaking news, as as it were, is that uh, Hurdle is going to play tonight, uh, according to reports coming coming out of San Jose. And so um, that's a that's a big addition, as you said uh, for sure. I think he slots right into that second line uh, with Couture and Timo Meyer. You know, maybe they switch that up a little bit, but. Ah, uh, this really helps kind of bolster that team. Uh, with him healthy, that's that's it for everybody. the The whole team is pretty much healthy right now. Obviously, there's you know the kind of unreported bumps and bruises that you play through, but that makes for a very dangerous Sharks team. Carlson, as you said, producing uh, with a healthy lineup. Uh, this is going to be a hard team
2: to beat. Well, and I thought St. Louis was going to be in that boat too, AJ. But they went one and three last week. And losing those three of those last four games, concluding with a loss against Los Angeles, a 2 nothing shutout loss, Led to a coaching change as Mike Yo was replaced by it looks like Craig Barube stepping in as the new bench boss. In fairness, they've been hit by a rash of injuries too recently. You consider that top end wingers Jaden swartz Alex, and Alexine have been sidelined with upper body injuries and are not likely to be available this week. That's a tough blow to this, the depth here, and missing defensive minded blue liners Gunnarsson and Bertuzzo has hurt as well. That's putting pressure on the, the entire defensive structure, which could expose Jake Allen and Chad Johnson to more shots on goal and more goals against it's a t- tough situation for St. Louis I didn't see this coming neither did I and and boy
1: if it isn't an extra little bit of uh twist of the knife or salt in the wound and uh, right after they fire Mike Yo, who they handpicked to to kind of force Ken Hitchcock out Ken Hitchcock goes and gets another job uh, <laughs> just just feels like a, a little bit of a like I said salt in the wound there Injuries are obviously a factor, but this is a team that's underperforming. And honestly, expectations were really high. You talk about the guys that they added. Perron came back, uh, Bozak. Um, Obviously, they have Vladimir Tarasenko as kind of, you know, they're like stalwart on on the club. They added Patrick Maroon, who, as you mentioned, has been hurt lately. And so I think really what got Yo is that expectations were so high uh, and they just haven't lived up to it. I don't necessarily think This team's going to do a a ton more um, than what they have been. I expect them to be a fringe team. Maybe they squeak in with a wild card, but uh, more likely, I think they're out of the playoffs. I think they know it, which is why they're not committing to Craig Berube uh, long term. They're going to keep the search open. Uh, I've heard uh, Joel Quenville's name tossed out there already. uh, Wouldn't that also, speaking of salt in the wound, To have him get fired from Chicago and then move to public enemy number one in St. Louis?
2: Well, uh, I don't know if I put the whammy on the Tampa situation myself, but a few weeks ago I did say that the one guy that was indisputably uh, irreplaceable here was Andre Vasilevsky. And there's no truth to the rumor that I did go out and buy a voodoo doll, AJ, but (laughs) he's lost to this club for four to six weeks with a fractured foot. And that's horrible news for them. It shifts the load to Louis Domingue with Eddie, P- Di Pasquale in, uh, the ba- Eddie Pasquale in the backup role. In addition, this sti- they still miss Stralman on the blue line. So a couple of blows to the defensive structure. But it's maybe worth keeping an eye on Eric Zernak, a big fluid skater who joins the defensive depth. And he was scoring well as a, a top-scoring blue liner in the AHL before getting this opportunity. So he's a guy that I'll be watching for. And I wonder who he'll be paired with.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure how they're going to you know, work that out. It, it's been it seems like it's been a bit of a shuffle. McDonough has kind of been uh, the kind of lead guy that they've been using him with. But he did play a little bit with Girardi the other night, too. Um, so definitely getting kind of moved around a bit. I'm actually kind of intrigued. Uh, you know, Domingue, I think we know what we're getting from him. Uh, I expect him to kind of be career backup is what I expect out of him. I don't really see him ever taking on uh, a full load as a, as a starter uh, at any point here. And so I think that opens the door to uh, Pasquale getting uh, some looks. You look at his numbers last year, uh, went 10 one in two with uh, AHL Syracuse at 1.72 goals against average Four two and O to start this season uh, that goals against average creeped up to 2.85. But I, I think uh, there's enough there that I, I'd like to see a little bit more of them, especially if I'm a Leafs fan or uh, a Lightning
2: fan. rather. You were jumping ahead to the next team. I can't <laughs> wait to talk about them, AJ. Last week, the Leafs swept a California road swing for the first time in this century. That's how long ago it's been since they went 3-0 out west. With the Nylander situation percolating in the background, I've been quite impressed with Kasperi Kapanen who has grabbed the right wing two opportunity with a team high plus 11 and 14 points and run with it, kind of lessening the blow of Kapanen's absence. But uh, it gives the club an ability to tell the cap that this holdout may be for much longer than they expected, as I've alluded to in the past. For his other bit of injury news, Austin Matthews is skating at practice and should be back in the lineup next week. And he's got to be chomping in the bit. And I'm excited about this club, AJ. I'll make no bones about it. I thought last night they'd get killed by Columbus in a, what I felt was a trap game. A good team waiting for you after you're coming off a road trip. The Leafs were down 2 nothing early. And I thought, oh boy, it's going to get ugly. But they rebounded and they shocked me with the, with the win last night. I think this is a really good team. And uh, I know a lot more people are starting to realize that
1: yeah, I want to talk about the Willie Nylander situation a little bit. Everything uh, that that I've read le- recently kind of points to he's still at eight million. the team's still at six. Um, but there's rumors that of the teams that are interested uh, in trying to acquire his services, they're looking at about seven million. It sounds like there's a couple clubs that would be willing to to hit that seven million uh, dollar mark for him. And so, For me, it's interesting to see who could possibly afford that. So obviously that rules out, you know, Capitals are out on that. Penguins, Stars, uh, Oilers uh, maybe could use LTIR, but I don't think they even have enough of that to kind of get him there. Um, So you look at other clubs that have that level of cap space, Winnipeg would be close. It'd be pretty tight, um, but it, it is doable for them. Uh, Nashville has enough cap space to make that work. Um, the Islanders do, obviously. Uh, and then Colorado is kind of another intriguing option. So now granted, I'm there's obviously other factors that have to go in, pieces to trade back, stuff like that. but just from a strictly cap, uh, standpoint. There's some interesting teams out there who could potentially be trade partners uh, you know, with, with Nylander.
2: Yeah, and, and of those, they have to, you have to look at the teams that have a top defenseman that can be offered. And you mentioned uh, Nashville among one of the teams, and they're loaded. Winnipeg is another team, and they're loaded on the blue line. So those are two teams that if they come calling, you have to think the Leafs will say, yeah, we'll take a look at one of your top pairing guys and see if you'd be willing to part with him and maybe that may, may be the cornerstone of a deal but you'd have to throw in another piece on the blue line and the forward ranks i think <laughs> to make it work over in vancouver i think cinderella has found her glass slipper here aj this team went zero and four last week and i think the magic is gone now they've lost six games in a row finally uh, stumbling in the face of a number of injuries the best news from the infirmary though is that anders nelson is back at practice and will soon be ready to spell in goal he's had a, had to carry the load almost by himself brock besser is also skating uh, uh, to help out the forward ranks but the club has not been clear about his return the most troubling news here in terms of uh people recovering or not is Sven Berchi's slow recovery from his concussion system, symptoms. We hate to hear stuff like this and hope that he uh, can can get back to playing sooner rather than later.
1: I'm not ready to, to jump off the Vancouver bandwagon quite yet. And, and the reason for that is uh, Elias Petterson two goals in his last two games, and that's following a five-game goal drought in which he managed just one assist. Uh, So obviously he hit a little bit of a slump there, but he's starting uh, to come out of it. And this guy, you you know, you mentioned Markstrom carrying the team, but offensively this team is probably going to live and die with Elias Pettersson right now. Um, And based on how he does will be how the team goes. And so he's starting to heat up a little bit again and i'm so because of that i'm not quite ready to hop off the the bandwagon here
2: well, and we had our guest Daniel Negrano give us a breakdown of the Knights. I'll add my two cents. He really really hit it on the head. The Knights depth at center is being challenged as Cody Eakin is having to move up into the number two spot behind Willie Carlson, who has finally started to score a little bit more consistently with six points in his last six games, but missing Stastny and Hull, who will be both on the IR for the next two months, is going to kill these guys, I think. Uh, with the return of Nate Schmidt, there is a wealth of options on the blue line they have eight experienced hands that they can rotate in and out and the best news of, of all offensively is that Matt, Max Pacioretty's finally started to score he picked up three points last week got another one last night and he needs to lead this offense to, to have this team recover from what is admittedly a subpar start.
1: Well, and he mentioned that, you know, Colin Miller could could see an uptick uh, in productivity uh, with Nate Schmidt. But one person Daniel didn't mention that could benefit from that is Marc-Andre Fleury. And having a guy like Schmidt in front of him uh, will really kind of uh, ease, you know, that it may not directly decrease the shots that Fleury sees, but it'll probably cut down on the uh, high quality chances. And so I think that helps Fleury. The defense, I think, was underrated in contributing to Flurry's kind of career year last season. Uh, and so to have a
2: full complement of guys there uh, is only going to help between the pipes as well. Over in Washington, they went 3-1 and one last week, which is great, but uh, news that isn't great is Evgeny Kuznetsov is another big name who's sidelined, and uh, I think he's dealing with a concussion situation, AJ. It's not simply an upper body injury as, as is being reported. I saw this play, and it looked like a drive-by blow to the head with a shoulder hit, so that's tough news there, but uh, the replacement was Lars Eller moving up into a top uh, center scoring line role in his absence and he scored the game winner in in the last game they played against Montreal So uh, kudos to the x for paying an immediate dividend, but a tough blow there offensively with Kuznetsov out, and it could be a long-term situation. The Caps are being similarly tight-lipped about TJ Oshie, who may be dealing with the same issue. Uh, There also is not much information about him. These are tough times that the Caps could be facing, missing a pair of their top six forwards. Uh, Andrei Burakovsky is a guy who might move up into a right-wing two slot if Oshie's not able to go.
1: Yeah, the other kind of uh, injury concern. It's you know not going to be as big of a factor, but Brooks Orpic underwent uh, a, a surgical procedure on his right knee. He's expected to be out four to six weeks. I think this is really dealing with whatever has kept him out of the lineup uh, for the last uh, looks like ten games, and so I, I think this is why he's been out. I, I don't necessarily think it's uh, you know like a healthy scratch situation or anything like that. Uh, and so that's kind of a big blow on the blue line. Um, maybe not a huge blow, but it is a factor. Um, you know, it it hurts, you know, when they need a more physical, uh, more shutdown defenseman, they're, they're not gonna have him waiting in the wing. So so I do think it'll make an impact there. Uh, and And yeah, obviously, I think you're right with Andre Berkovsky. I think he'd be the guy uh, that I'm targeting in daily. Playing up with Backstrom and and Jakob Vrana, uh, I think he'll kind of take on a a bigger role uh, with OC
2: sideline. And finally, we come back to the Winnipeg Jets. They went 2-0-1 last week. They looked great in uh, dismantling the Canucks in their last game. Kyle Connor doesn't get the same notoriety as some of his mates here, AJ, but he's scoring a better than a point per game over the last five games, back on a pace that would better the 31 goals and 57 points he registered in his rookie campaign last season. The club has no serious injuries to talk about, save for Dmitry Kulikov, but he's a depth defenseman anyway, and he's a month away from rejoining the, li- the lineup with an upper body injury. Speaking of the Jets' defense, though, they have to be a little disappointed with the lack of offensive production from big name types like Tyler Myers and Jacob Truba, who have combined for a total of nine points between them and only two goals. So they need to get more from those guys who are considered top four D-men with an offensive upside. It's not happening right now. And thankfully for the Jets and their fans, the club is not really seeming to be suffering for that right now.
1: Yeah, I do want to talk about kind of a a weird situation that happened with the Jets. Um, So they have this this young prospect, uh, Christian Veselainen. Uh, who was with them at, at the start of the season. They sent him down uh, to the minors. And then while in the minors, a report came out that he was uh, his rights had been acquired uh, by a KHL team. So uh, one team bought his rights from another team over in the KHL. And that kind of indicated that he might be contemplating a move over over to Russia. And apparently he has an out clause uh, in his contract for just this season that would allow him uh, to basically back out of that. Mm-hmm. After this report comes out, the club suddenly promotes him uh, on Friday to, to the big team. So it'll be interesting to see if this, uh, you know, was the promotion warranted uh you know do they think he's offering uh you know good enough production there to be on the on the club or was this in response uh to you know that report that he was potentially headed back to the KHL
2: That's an interesting one, AJ. Thanks for digging that one up. Uh, We're going to bypass the FanDuel segment of our show because there's only one game on the slate in the NHL tonight. But we do want to retain your interest with the Stud of the Week and the Rand of the Week, which will come up right now. The Stud of the Week is a guy I got to look at up close uh, when the Jackets came to town in Toronto last night. Cam Atkinson was the number one star in the NHL last week. Coming off a week where he had five goals and three assists. What does he do against Leafs? Well, they scored two goals, and he was in on both of them with a goal and an assist. So he continues a real red-hot streak. And it's worth noting that he is the smallest guy in terms of stature on this roster, which is one of the tallest and most physical clubs in the league. He only stands at five foot eight and plays without fear and goes to the dirty areas. And that's where he scored his goal last night and set up the other one. Uh, he's far eclipsed his fifth round stat and status from the 2008 class. He's been doing this for a while. But at this pace, he's headed for a career best total. So hats off to Cam Atkinson in this corner.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, a, a player that's, you know, had a little bit of a dip last year. Uh, and, and that's mostly due to just being sidelined. He only played 65 games uh, and so was limited to 46 points. I think if he had factored in to a full 80 game season, uh, would have hit the 50 point, if not the 60 point mark uh, as he did the, the year prior. And so um, off to another strong start. I think if the health uh, can hold up, You know he'll definitely challenge for for potentially a career best i mean he's on pace uh, for a career high right now Um,
2: and so if he can keep it up he he might be able to get there and here we are about five weeks into our show cycle and we're going to talk about brad marchand in the rant of the week we've never done this before have we it just seems that this guy is the most frequent subject of my rants and yours in the history of our podcast and he continues to make enemies all over the place now trolling refs and even fans from the penalty box Look, he did not have to jab the opposing goalie while on a forecheck the other night. He was penalized, and, you know, it was a light tap. It was to the back of the leg, though, A.J., and you don't see anybody else do that. This guy got nailed with a penalty that he deserved, and he chirped the officials, got a double minor, and then he pulls out a white towel, puts it on the end of his stick to further show them up, and then he gets into it with the fans. That's dumb, one dumb move after the other, and it earns him more bad press, and I don't think the guy is going to get a pass from any refs in the near, n- near future. That's also going to hurt the Bruins on the ice. It was an unintelligent move, to say the least, and he'll continue to pay and cost his team in the process. Too bad about all the antics, but because beyond it, at all he's a hell of a player
1: yeah I mean it, it's pretty much just par for the course uh with him I, I mean at this point nothing really uh surprises me with with uh what he does on the ice uh you know I just it is what it is you have to kind of accept that that's uh what he does on a on a night-to-night basis and clearly Boston's willing to put up with it uh, you know, I, I don't expect to see supplementary uh, sub, uh, additional discipline for him uh, because of this. But you never know. The league may uh, need to side with with the referee association just to, to kind of help them out there. So we'll see. But overall, I think, uh, you know, as a fantasy owner, as a fan and as, you know, team brass, you just have to take uh, this the good with the bad here on, on Brad Marchant, because clearly
2: he's not going to stop well AJ this was a lot of fun right off the top. We want to thank our special guest Daniel Negrano, who 's a great friend of the podcast show and a very popular follow for his takes on hockey as well as poker. You want to follow him folks, uh, at Real Kid Poker, one of the best handles that I see on the Twitter, Twitter sphere. And uh, I think it's a fine place to wrap up uh, this week's episode of PuckCast with Statsman and AJ. Please remember to send your comments and questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen in to PuckCast to get your tips to stay ahead of the competition and your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody. (laughs)